Hi, I'm Alex Rubin, and thank you so much for joining me on my daily teaching podcast, Grace to Your World. You know, the more we understand God's grace, the more do we find ourselves empowered to change our world and to live the overcoming life. Now, with that being said, let's get into today's message and grow in our walk with Jesus together. I want to talk about the cleansing power of grace. The cleansing power of grace. And what you want to understand from the get-go this morning is that worthiness and deservingness, these are not the same thing. You see, God's grace is undeserved. You could never earn or deserve the blessings of God. You could never work enough to qualify for the blessings of God, you see. But I want you to realize this, worthiness is a gift. You are worthy simply as a result of your faith in Jesus. To be worthy, in essence, means you are capable of receiving what the grace of God has already made available to you. The Bible tells us that we are to walk worthy of the Lord, unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work. And so worthiness is a gift, yet there's a lot of Christians I meet a lot of Christians, I talk to a lot of Christians who are carrying a sense of unworthiness. There's something in your past that you're ashamed of. There's something in your past where you feel you've made too many mistakes and now you're carrying that around it might be something that happened 20 years ago, but you keep it just keeps coming up. And it's like, well, God is like, man, that was like 20 years ago. We've moved on. But it's like, no, I, I just keep want to bring this thing up. And and then and, and you just keep going back to this thing, uh, which is in the past. And then and, and you can't really let go of uh, this uh, thing uh, because there's some unworthiness. Uh, there's some, 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 some shame. I want you to understand uh, that God wants you to be set free from that this morning. Now, we've been we've been. Uh, really discussing over the past few weeks the importance of understanding obedience to the faith versus obedience to the law. Obedience to the faith is, I believe, the finished works of Jesus Christ. I believe that I'm righteous because of what Jesus did for me. I believe that Jesus made me worthy. Amen. Whereas works of the law is you being focused on your performance. Works of the law is you focusing on what you think you've got to do to be right with God. Now, I'm going to show you today that the only way to be set free from shame is to understand the importance of believing the finished works of Jesus and not to be obsessed with your performance, good or bad. Now, I want to ask a question as we're starting off here today, and the question is, what is the real issue at the heart of salvation? What is the real issue that's at the heart of salvation? What is God looking for in salvation? In other words, is God looking to perfect us in our doing? Is God looking for a bunch of people who are just always going to perform perfectly? Or is there something deeper at the heart of salvation? Is there a deeper issue that God wants to deal with? An issue that is deeper than what you do? An issue that is deeper than your performance? And so I want to explore that here this morning for just a few moments with you. And so as we look here in the Colossians chapter 1, verse 5, notice what he says here. He says in verse 5, For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven... 
And we want to stop right there and realize, church, there's some hope that's laid up for us in heaven. Glory to God. We'll praise God for all of his promises where this life is concerned. But do you know there's some hope laid up for us in heaven? Glory to God. You see, when you pass on from this world, that's not the end of you. Glory to God. I want you to understand that there's some promises that have been made available to you, that have been laid up for you, that have been stored up for you in uh, heaven. And so uh, there's an eternal promise. There's a there's going to be a time when you and I, we're going to find ourselves in the presence of God in heaven, uh, where there will be no sickness, there will be no fear, uh, there will be no uh, lack or anything like that, and we will be living in perfect fellowship uh, with God and with one another. And so I want you to understand, church, that has already been purchased for you uh, by the blood of Jesus, and it's already been laid up for you. And so he says, for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof you heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, take note, the word of the truth of the gospel, verse 6 says, which is come unto you as it is in all the world, notice this now, and bringeth forth fruit. What I want you to take note of here is that the word of the truth of the gospel actually brings forth fruit. He says, as it doth also in you since the day you heard of it, notice this now, and knew the grace of God in truth. And so let's break down this verse here this morning, there is the word of the truth of the gospel, he says, that's going to bring forth fruit. Notice it's not your self-effort that's going to bring forth fruit. No, he says, you heard the word of the truth of the gospel. And so when you hear the word of the truth of the gospel, glory to God, the Bible says that's going to bring forth fruit. Now, what am I saying? Uh, of course, the indication here is when you hear the word of the truth of the gospel, the indication is that you believe uh, the gospel. And I want you to understand when you believe uh, the word of God, when you believe uh, what God says about you in his word, glory to God, uh, that's going to bring forth fruit in your life. Now, what I want you to notice also is that the word of the truth of the gospel, when you look at these verses here, you will notice verse 5, he says, the word of the truth of the gospel. In word 6, he says, you heard of it, of this word of the truth of the gospel, and watch what happened when you heard it. He says, you knew the grace of God in truth. Church, what I want you to see right here is that it is all about knowing the grace of God in truth. It is you not intellectually knowing about the grace of God. You see, grace is not something that can be merely understood intellectually, glory to God. It's not an intellectual thing. It's not a doctrine. It's not a theory. It's not a concept, glory to God. No, uh, the only way that you can truly know uh, the grace of God is uh, by knowing it in your heart. And so what he's talking about here is heart knowledge. And he's talking about uh, that the word of the gospel is all about introducing you, glory to God, uh, to the grace of God in truth. And when you know the grace of God in truth, what he's saying is that's going to bring forth fruit in your life. You see, now what is the grace of God in truth? I want you to know, church, that's talking about Jesus. That's talking about Jesus, because how many remember that grace is, is not a curriculum, it's not a doctrine, as I just said, it is a person. Grace is actually a person. He's a person, amen. 
He's Jesus. And so when you know the grace of God in truth, what happens is that means you have a revelation of Jesus. But I want you to know the grace of God in truth is a talking about the finished works of Jesus Christ on the cross. You see, you can't separate the grace of God from the finished works of Jesus Christ on the cross because you want to understand uh, the way, the reason that God can deal with you in his unmerited favor. Uh, glory to God, the reason that God can deal with you uh, justly and righteously, uh, independent of your performance, is because of the finished works of Jesus. It's because of the cross of Jesus Christ, you see. And so knowing the grace of God in truth is to know Jesus, is to know the finished works of the cross. Now, when you know the grace of God in truth, there's a couple of things that happen. The first thing that happens is that you will no longer have a mistaken impression of grace. In fact, look at uh, St. John chapter 1, verse 17. I want to go back to that and show you that just for a moment and just remind you of this great divide that exists here in uh, Scripture. St. John, uh, John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse, verse 17, where he says this, he says, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And so the Word of God is talking about knowing the grace of God and truth, and he's also talking about grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And notice here, church, he is, he is contrasting that with the law that was given by Moses. And so what you have here is you've got the great divide in Scripture. You got love Moses on the one hand, and you've got the grace and truth of Jesus on the other hand. And I want you to understand that these two cannot be mixed. And I want you to understand this as well, and that grace and truth go together. I want you to understand that grace is the truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. I am the way. I am the life. He said, I, he, he said, he's, he has come to bring us uh, the truth. You shall know the truth that makes men and women free. And I want you to understand how the truth that Jesus is talking about is this grace, this grace, this unmerited faith of God. And so when you look at Jesus in the Gospels, what you're seeing, church, is you are seeing the grace of God. You're seeing God, Jesus, being good to people independent of, of their performance. When you look at the accounts where Jesus performed his uh, miracles of healing, on those people, well, well my, my question to you this morning, church, is what did those people do to deserve that healing, glory to God? What did those people do uh, to deserve the loaves and fishes being multiplied, man? What did those people do uh, to deserve all those healings that Jesus performed? And I want you to understand they did nothing, uh, glory to God. I want you to understand that Jesus uh, demonstrated his goodness to them because that's his true nature. And Jesus said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father, glory to God. And so if you want to get a, a revelation of what God is really like, you got to look to Jesus. You got to look to the grace of God. You got to look to the goodness and, 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 and the mercy and the favor of uh, God, you see. And so grace is a person. Jesus, grace is being contrasted with, with the law of Moses. And so you cannot mix the law of Moses. Now look at Romans chapter 11, verse 6. Now, I want to just really kind of set this up as our foundation here this morning, that you cannot mix grace and the law. Now, how do we define grace? Grace, I want you to understand, church, is the unmerited favor of God. Grace is God being good to you, not because you earned it or, or deserved it. Grace is God being good to you. Catch this now, church, because God is good. You see, God is good. And I want you to notice this now. Romans 11, verse 6, and I love this verse because what happens is that a lot of times in the body of Christ, we're dealing with a lot of mixtures. 
we're really dealing with a lot of mixtures. In other words, there's a lot of people who say, well, Alex, I, I understand grace. I understand that we're under the grace of God. But then in the next breath, what you do is you're going to try to perform to qualify for the blessings of God. Or what you're going to do is catch this now, church. What you're going to do is you're going to look to your mistakes in the past, okay? And you're going to use those mistakes in the past to try to disqualify yourself from seeing God's favor in your life. Well, can I remind you this morning that you're mistakes in the past. They have nothing to do with the favor of God in your life. Can I remind you right now that the reason God is good to you, it has nothing to do with your performance, uh, your performance in the past, present, or, you know, any kind of performance anywhere. It has nothing to do with that. No, it has everything to do with God being good to you because of, because of Jesus, guys, because Jesus, through shedding his blood, he's made the unmerited favor of God available to you. Are you catching what I'm saying here this morning, church? If you understand this so far, say amen, type amen into the chat section. Now, I want you to notice this verse here, really just as our foundation as well here today, because I want you to really see that there's no way that you can combine grace with the works of the law. He says in Romans 11, verse 6, notice this, I love this verse, guys. He says, and if by grace then it is no more of works. Works here is referring to your self-effort. Works here is referring to you performing to try to qualify for the blessing of God. He says, if it is by grace, then it is no more of works. I love this. Notice this now. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. And so the moment you try to mix grace with works, he says, well, that's no more grace. That's not grace. Okay. <laughs> and so you can't mix those two. He goes on to say, but if it be of works, then it is no more grace. In other words, if you're going to, if it's going to be works, then that's not grace. And he says, otherwise work is no more work. Guys, do you see this? Church, do you see this here this morning? <laughs> I want you to see that you can't mix grace and the works of the law. And I want you to really catch this. You can't mix grace and thinking it's about your performance, thinking it's about you doing all the right stuff. Well, Alex, you know, praise God. I'm blessed because I did all these things for the Lord. Hold on. Can I remind you? You are under the grace of God. Now, this is very important. Because many people certainly recognize the importance of grace in the Christian life, yet again, they tend to think that you can mix grace with works. Now, when you mix grace with works, what happens is that oftentimes people will tend to mistake the grace of God for the mercy of God. In other words, your impression of grace, and this is the opposite of knowing the grace of God in truth, it's to, have a, it's to have a mistaken concept of the grace of God, your, your idea of the grace of God. And I think a lot of people can relate to what I'm about to say. Your, your idea of grace is that you're just going to do the best that you can. Your idea of grace is, well, Alex, I got to perform. I got to do these things for the Lord. I got to try to do my best for the Lord. I got to really just try to make sure I'm following these, all these rules and these regulations and these commands. Uh, I'm, I'm going to try to do my best. But glory to God, when I fall short, then there's grace for that. How many people have heard that before? How many people have heard that before? Well, church, I'm here to tell you today that is a mistaken impression of grace. That's not what grace is. That is actually mercy. You see, you are mistaken grace for mercy. You see, mercy is, yeah, when you make a mistake, then you're not going to get the bad that you deserve. Well, that's mercy. You see, 
is, is mercy is, 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 is the bad that you deserve that you don't get, okay? Mercy is the reason that you don't get all that you might deserve as a result of the mistakes you have made. That's mercy. But I want you to understand right now uh, that grace is so much more than mercy. Uh, glory to God, I want you to understand right now uh, that grace is the unmerited favor of God. Grace is the unlimited provisions of God. Uh, grace is, pro is, is God providing for you no matter what you need. Uh, grace is God providing your need in spirit, soul, and body. Uh, grace is, is, is the provisions of God. It's, it's the supplies of heaven. It is whatever you need being made available to you. But watch this now, church. The only way that we're going to actually walk in that is if we shift from having a works-based mindset where I think it's about my performance to having a grace-based mindset where I realize it's all about Jesus. It is all about Jesus. In fact, I want us to look at this verse also in the New Living Translation, Romans eleven six, because I want you to see this definition of grace here in the NLT. Romans eleven six says, and since it is through God's kindness. Stop right there. He's describing grace here as the kindness of God. Child of God, can I tell you this morning, a lot of shame, a lot of condemnation is going to be taken care of in your life when you get a revelation in your heart of the kindness of God. The kindness of God. <laughs> you see, God's loving kindness, guys, is, is another definition of the grace of God. And he says, since it is through God's kindness, then it is not by their good works. You see, and so God is good to you because of his kindness. God blesses you because of his kindness, not because of your good works. He says, for in that case, God's grace would not be what it really is, free and undeserved. The grace of God is free. The grace of God is undeserved. And so the one of the greatest things you can do, uh, glory to God, is to purpose in your heart that you're no longer going to try to work for the blessing, that you're no longer going to try to earn the blessing. Now, you see, this is a big deal uh, because we live in a world uh, where it's all about you got to earn, you got to qualify, you got to perform. You see, uh, we, we live in a world system, man, where, where, where the, the person who performs the best is usually the person that's going to get ahead, glory to God. I want you to understand that's not the system of the kingdom of God. You see, I want you to understand that, yeah, you are in the world, but you're not of the world, glory to God. You are in a different system. You're operating in the, in the kingdom of God's system. And I want you to understand that in this kingdom of God's system, it's all about the grace of God, glory to God. It's all about the provisions of a God, you see. And so you say, well, Alex, I still got to do. Of course, you still got to do. You're still going to do what you got to do. You're still going to show up at your job. You're still going to show up at your business. Business, you're still going to have some excellence going on, you see. But all the while, your trust is not going to be in what you do. Your trust is not going to be in the external. Glory to God. Your trust is going to be in the provisions of a God. Are you catching me here this morning, church? Now, what that does is it's going to free you from a lot of the anxiety, a lot of the fears of the world. The world might be in this thing where they're saying, man, there might be a recession. There might not be enough. Well, what are we going to do? We're not going to get, get, get by. Well, I want you to understand that there's no recession in heaven. You see, but you got to understand this kingdom of God approach where it's about the favor of God, you see, where it's about God blessing you simply because you are his child, you see, you see. And so you look to God and everything and you realize it's a it's a good thing that you can never actually deserve the blessing of God. 
is either world thinks, man, you got to deserve it. And when we say, well, it's undeserved, they think, well, that's kind of bad because, man, I should deserve it. You know, I, I want you to understand in the kingdom of God, man, it's a very good thing, glory to God, that it's undeserved. You see, it's a very good thing that it's undeserved. Why? Well, because if, if we had to earn the blessing, if we had to deserve the blessing, I want you to understand none of us would qualify. You see, you see, the standard of God is perfection. And so if you want to perform to earn something from God, that would require you to perform perfectly. Well, child of God, none of us is ever going to perform perfectly. We'll praise God for Jesus. Praise God for his favor. Amen. Is everybody on board with this here so far? And so it's about understanding the grace of God. You see, it's about shifting into a grace-based mindset, you see. Glory be to God. Now, now the, the works that, as we said, that he's talking about here in Romans eleven six is he's he's talking specifically now about the works of the law. He's talking specifically about you putting the pressure on yourself. Well, I gotta perform, I gotta do this, I gotta do that. Now, when we talk about obedience, that would be you thinking that your obedience is all about your actions. But remember, your obedience is all about you believing Jesus. When you believe the finished works of Jesus Christ, you are obedient. Now, now you say, Alex, we still got to do. Of course, church, we still got to do. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. Let's look at this scripture, and then we'll be, I think we'll have a strong foundation here today. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3 talks about a different kind of works. You see, you see, it's it's all about us believing Jesus. It's all about us believing the favor of God. Now, the favor of God is not going to make you inactive. It's not going to be, well, praise God, Alex, I'm under the grace of God. <laughs> I don't have to do anything anymore. No, you see. No, you see, Paul said, he labored more abundantly than them all, but he then goes on to say it was the grace of God that was at work on the inside of him. And so there's still works involved. We're still going to be doing some stuff. But what I want to get you to see again here this morning is this contrast between the works of the law, performance and self-effort, and watch this, works of faith. Works that are born out of your faith in Jesus. You see, you cannot separate what you do from what you believe. If you believe in the grace of God, it's going to influence your actions. You can't separate what you do from what you believe. And so what we see here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3, is we see Paul talking about a different kind of works here, where he says, remembering without ceasing your work of faith. Work of faith, I want you to take note of here. And he says, and your labor of love and your patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and our Father. And so work of faith or works of faith are works that are going to be born out of you believing the finished works of Jesus Christ. You see, the Thessalonians were believers and Paul was commending them for their works of faith. Not works of the law, works of faith. Now, works of faith, I want you to really catch this contrast here today. If you're taking notes, write this down. Works of faith are, one, they're going to be born out of your faith in Jesus. Works of faith, they're going to be inspired by the Holy Spirit. 
Because when you believe right, Holy Spirit is going to work in you and he's going to inspire you to some correct action. And works of faith are, are motivated by the love of God. He says, work of faith, labor of love. And so it's a labor of love. You see, you're motivated by the love of God on the inside of you. You see, patience of hope means that you're going to be continuing in your earnest expectation of good, even if you can't see it in the natural yet. You're believing God for something. You're, 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 you're acting on what you're believing. You can't see the manifestation yet. Patience of hope means you're just going to continue, even though you don't see the result yet. You're just going to continue to believe God, you see. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm Alex Rubin. You have been listening to Grace to Your World. Be sure to join me again on our next podcast as we continue to grow in our understanding of God's grace. Now, to learn more and to access the full-length audio of this and other teachings, simply head to graceworldonline.org. For information on how to become a Grace Vision partner or how to make a gift of any amount to our ministry, visit graceworldonline.org forward slash give. Now I pray that you continue to see God's grace manifesting richly in your life, and I look forward to talking to you again on our next podcast.